Hello, and welcome to episode four of Off the Chain, a Keyforge podcast. I am your host, Kenny Blaze, along with... And I'm Bald Mike. Uh, welcome to our special holiday episode. Merry Christmas, Mike. It's coming up. Merry Christmas. We are in the season of giving in the holidays. We certainly are. Uh, especially, uh, Fantasy Flight gave us really the greatest present of all, which is Keyforge. They gave it to us a month early. They're actually a little over a month early. Um, and it was a great gift. It's a fantastic gift. I love it. How much Keyforge have you played this week, Mike? This week we got some games in. Uh, we didn't actually do our, our typical post-recording games last week, uh, but we did play in our regular Archon tournament on Tuesday night this week. Uh, I went, once again, 2-1, and one, but this time I did not play you, uh, so that was a nice little switch up. Uh, we did not go to the sealed event on Thursday. Like we said, it's the holidays, that time of year we get busy, but you and I did hang out Friday at our local game store and played a bunch of games, bought more decks than that we didn't really need. Uh, so it was a good day. We, we had a lot of fun. Played uh, at least five or six games. Yeah, I mean, I played a fair amount of Keyforge this week. Uh, we did not meet in our Archon tournament, so you were able to keep your job for another week. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, but we did buy a fair number of decks on Friday. Uh, we played the Wild Wormhole format, which is you don't look at it. You play blind. Uh, it was really fun. I really enjoy Sealed in this game. Yeah, that's a really fun way to play this game. Neither player knowing what's coming out next until you, you draw the cards or see your opponent play the cards. And going along with that too, also Tuesday when we walked into the shop, we noticed they had a display box on the counter. So I I personally bought two decks before our tournament. And then because I went 2-1 and one again, I used my store credit to buy a third deck. So I wound up like six new decks this week. That's a lot of decks. Um, I know I traded away that Amber Puke deck that we were talking about in one of our recent episodes. Yay, I'm glad to see that thing gone. <laughs> but I was able to trade it for four more sealed decks, and I've already gotten my use out of it. Let someone else have fun with it for a while. But getting some brand new sealed decks just seems like a great way to trade your stuff away. Yeah, it's fun. It's Like you said, it's a way to see more, even more cards, more decks. So we've heard some updates on the Fantasy Flight video, their podcast that they do for the game. Specifically regarding app updates and what's coming down the line. The yes. first thing they mentioned was the power level system. So aside from chains, Archon will be given a certain level rating, which doesn't go down. You can only achieve certain levels, which is like their level up system. Right. So once you get up to a certain power level uh, with that particular Archon, it can't come back down. Correct. So it's a pure progression level system. Mm -hmm. And it seems like they're going to be doing some level cap events where an Archon of like level five and above, they can't participate. So you're going to have like cutoffs for the varying power levels of decks in your area. I think that that's a awesome way to use that tool in the app. It also helps promote other people. Uh, so there's not just one person or a few, a few handful of people just continually steamrolling events. You know, you could have the lower level decks where everybody is on the lower power level, so they should be more equal. I agree. I think it's a great way to like segment the tournaments, and you have like the powerhouse decks that are winning week after week, so they're going to level up. Uh, and you're going to have special events where just these really awesome decks can showcase their skills. But for the casual players, the ones that maybe didn't crack a great deck out of their boxes or whatever, they're able to still participate and have a good experience. And it kind of goes hand-in-hand -hand with the chain system that they're going to be implementing, where for your decks, uh, they will be assessed a universal chains 
for future chain-bound events, which is another type of tournament they're going to be coming out with. So if your deck has won or done well, you might be assessed three chains. So at the start of your games in the next event, you have to start the game with like the three chains. I think it's a good way to balance. Yeah, that's the great thing about the chain mechanic in this game. It is a great balancing tool. And unlike the power level part of the app, the chain you can actually get reduced in chains uh, at further tournaments if once you are assigned a few chains, if, if your deck starts doing terrible, they're like, okay, maybe three chains was too much. Start with two chains next time. Yeah, it's going to be that Morpheus way to keep tracking a deck's playability. Uh, so if it does well, right, they're going to be assessed chains, and if it starts being wrecked by the chains, they're going to lose a couple. Just to get that sweet balance where the games are kind of coming down to the wire every time. Yeah, between the, the chain-bound events and the power levels, I think they're doing a really great job in making sure this game stays balanced and there isn't something that just runs away with every tournament. Yeah, I really like that they're staying on top of it, and they really just want to have a balanced game. So no matter when you're coming in on that power level spectrum of like, I'm a hardcore gamer, I buy boxes and boxes of decks, or you're a more casual person who only maybe bought a handful, five or less, you still get to come in and have a good experience playing in their official um, OP events. Yeah, and like I said, that keeps it fun for everybody. Um, I'm really looking forward to when they really implement the power levels and they do the different power level tournaments. I'd love to see one where it's maybe only five and above can play in that particular tournament. I'd love to see some of the different power decks out there going up against each other. Yeah, I think those uh, types of events are going to be really fun to participate in, but also just observe the results. You're going to see some really heavy decks going against each other. Should be neat. Definitely. Um, something else they talked about in the video was the ability to track your wins and losses casually in the app soon, which I think is really neat. Um, I know I've been doing it just on the notes section on my phone, but to have it implemented into the app just on the casual level, just like we're playing in my house, and I want to track my deck's performance to see which ones get the sleeves and which ones don't. I think it's really neat that they're going to be giving that functionality for any game you want to play. Yeah, that's a great thing. So maybe somebody doesn't want to go out and play in the tournaments, but they still want to keep track of their decks. So they'll have the casual format to track it on the app as well. And also that there will be a notes section where you keep notes on the casual section. Right. I know the notes exist if you go in on your computer, but not if you just use the app on your phone. So when they put the app or when they put the notes section into the app on the phone, that'll be top notch. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Something else they talked about in the video was the Amber Shards and the keys you can accumulate for registering your decks in the app. So it seems like the Amber Shards that you get, you get one for every deck you register. They're going to be used for prize walls at some of their bigger events. And it seems like leading up to these bigger events, you're able to earn more Amber Shards from like your store champ level and probably like regionals going forward. Now, you've been to some of their larger events for their other games that they played, Kenny Blaze. What type of events do you see these prize walls at? I went to the plugged-in tour for Netrunner, and they didn't have a prize wall there. This was still early on in Netrunner, but it was more of a bigger community event. I've seen the prize wall at Worlds. Um, I imagine they're going to have more of that plugged-in tour type mentality where a few times a year at various spots throughout the country, they're going to have a bigger event where they're going to have representatives from the company there with a prize wall that you can redeem these shards to get some exclusive prizes. Right, and I think that leads into one of the other things I talked about on that video was the vault tours. These 
separate tournaments uh, that'll be a little more limited than say your regular store championships but they do plan on doing more I'm, I'm assuming they're similar in regards to like x-wing had the system open so there there's less of them than your standard tournaments but they are special events and what they said on the video was when you unlock a key on the app you'll use that key at that vault tour yeah they did mention the keys being used for some sort of event at this vault tour I'm hoping it generates an entry for you into probably like a side event. I hope it's not just the ability to play. Hopefully they give you away something for earning 18 Amber Shards over the course of Discovery. Yeah, because 18, to get 18 Amber Shards, that, that's a decent amount of money, so that'd be cool to get a ticket or something into the event for having a key. Yeah, it's just like another good kickback for buying the product you're already going to be buying anyway. So we're moving into the holiday season, or we're kind of in the midst of it here. Uh, so we want to talk about Christmas in the Crucible. Bald Mike, what do you got for us? Well, I was doing some research for a couple of the different houses. I actually didn't research all seven houses, but I did look at some, and I wanted to see how they celebrate the holidays in the Crucible as compared to how we do on Earth. I'm very interested to hear what they do. There's some, some very good parallels uh, amongst the houses compared to what we have. So the first, my first investigation led me to Bro the House Brobnar. I think something got lost in translation there, Kenny Blaze. So I went there with Season's Greetings, and like I said, they misinterpreted it to Season's Beatings. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I guess Brobnar will be beating their friends. Yeah, we all know Brobnar does love to fight. So everybody knows the classic Christmas song, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, kind of mm -hmm, an upbeat of tempo, Carol. Well, in Shadows, there are a bunch of elusive elves, so their holiday favorite is sneaking Around the Christmas Tree. All right, that one's pretty bad. I'm not giving you a pity laugh for that one. Uh, next, I dove into House Sanctum's vault to try to see how they celebrated the holidays. Because I know growing up, one of my favorite holiday carols was Silent Night. But I wasn't able to get any information out of Sanctum because they're just a bunch of silent nights. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll give you that one. Uh, next, I looked in the house Mars and their traditions. Everybody knows the classic R Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Mm -hmm. But in Mars, they have Blippiup the Red-Nosed Martian. <laughs> Blippiup! Uh, he's great. I love that guy. Who doesn't love Blippiup? Also here on Earth, uh, those of a certain faith, the children will gather around and spin the dreidel around the holiday season. But in House Dis, the little imps gather around to play Spin the Dominator Bubble. You hear those crickets, Mike? Those are crickets saying that was a bad joke. That couldn't have been the worst of them. No, no, but pretty bad. <laughs> so that's what my holiday investigations led to in the world of the Crucible. Maybe next season I'll go back and check on Untamed and see how they celebrate. Well, thank you for that investigation, Mike. I know I loved hearing about the different factions on the Crucible. You're welcome. So we're doing our first giveaway for a set of nine 3D printed color changing amber tokens. All you need to do is like our Facebook page and comment on the official giveaway post to earn your entry. We'll be drawing the winner on Thursday, December 20th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yep, we're excited to do our first giveaway amid the holiday season. All right, Kenny Blaze, the game has been out just about a month now, maybe a day or two over that. What I want to know is, how have your impressions changed of your game? What's your second impression of Keyforge? Alright, so my first impression goes all the way back to Gen Con, right? Because I started playing with print and play decks 
right when the game was announced. Having played with actual product now for, like you said, roughly a month, I love this game more now than I did at release. And I was hyped for it a lot coming into this. All these decks that I get to interact and play with, I'm really digging the variety of the decks that you're able to play with and the different people you get to play and the decks that they've opened and how they use their cards. Yeah, I, I definitely get that. There is definitely a, like, just having a deck with similar houses, but just a couple of different cards makes each deck play different. And of course, each way of that a particular person will play a deck makes each deck play differently. Agreed. Even with only seven houses, I never feel like when I sit down, even if it's against the same house, houses that are in my decks, I never feel like it's going to be the same matchup. Yeah, I definitely don't get a feeling of a mirror match in this game at all, which is great. It is really good to not have to worry about, you know, that exact deck sitting across from you. We know that can't happen because of the algorithm, but even popular cards, or the common cards that show up in the houses, I still don't feel like it's a mirror match pretty much ever. Yeah, that, that is a great thing, and it keeps the game feeling fresh each time you play. For me, my second impression is way different than my first impression. Uh, I first heard about it coming out of Gen Con, all the news that was coming out of there. And then I remember you and a couple other people in our local games were talking about it. I saw, I watched you play a couple games with the print-and-play stuff, but I was off playing other stuff, so I didn't pay too much attention to it. But because I knew people at our store were going to be playing it, I figured, oh, I'll grab one or two decks so I have something to play with. And here I am 17 decks later um, and doing a podcast, so that really says how much my impression of the game has changed. Do you regret your decision at all to buy those 17 decks? Not the slightest. That's what I like to hear. Just you gotta keep finding that next best fit for you. And you gotta keep forging. <laughs> you always have to keep forging. Yeah, that even opening 17 decks, I don't know that I found the perfect deck for me. I There's definitely a couple that I like, but I don't know that I found that perfect one yet. So this brings me to an interesting thought I've had, Mike. And that is... Is there a house meta, or do you feel like you prefer a certain house when you're looking at your decks? I don't know that I really prefer one particular house. There are some that I, I like more than others. I would say Sanctum is probably on the lower end of my list for what I like, but I do like Mars, I do like Shadows, I like Untamed. So I don't know that I particularly gravitate towards those decks. I'm still, like I said, I, I play through all of my decks a couple of times, try to find that one that just really jives with me. See, I think I'm a little bit different than you. I find that I don't particularly care for a deck if it doesn't have shadows in it. Maybe it's just the way that shadows plays, but the for me, my play style, to interact and disrupt my opponent's amber supply is kind of paramount for the decks that I enjoy playing. Well, because you're sneaky and elusive like most of the shadows characters. I am the tallest elf you will ever meet. Well, yeah, that that is interesting because shadows does seem to be the, one of the most popular in general uh, among the houses out there. They seem to be doing pretty well of a couple of tournament reports I, I read. If they're not winning, they're usually towards the top of the list. But this goes back to the, the origin of the question. Like, Do you feel like there is a meta amongst houses that you've seen played even at our local tournaments for the Archon events? Or is it not? Is it really just personal play style? Yeah, there does at the moment there does seem to be a house shadows meta so to speak yeah i agree with that yeah obviously there's not going to be one set combination of cards among shadows but just having shadows in a deck seems to be 
make the deck a little bit stronger because some of the shenanigans they pull. At least at this early stage in the game, I feel like I see more bait and switch being brought. Like they, people want to bring a deck that has bait and switch in it versus I think any other card in the game right now. Yeah, I feel like there are definitely people that are cracking decks looking for bait and switch as one of the key cards. It was just really powerful. I, I'm not sure if it'll continue to trend that way. But right now, it's like, if you want to be competitive, you probably want a bait and switch. I think as people learn to uh, look for it more and learn to play around it to try to not get a, let their opponent get a big swing out of bait and switch, that'll be the case. Yeah, I think I agree with that. All right, so we want to move into the house spotlight section of the show. And as always, you can find the decks that we're talking about on our social media pages. And Bald Mike is going to be starting us off with Sanctum. Yeah, this week I picked Sanctum for my house for the House Spotlight. Uh, it is in the deck called the Fearless Collector Eagle of Priorberg, uh, which I have scanned into the apps. So starting with the first card in this deck for Sanctum, it is Cleansing Wave. Cleansing Wave is an action. It generates zero amber, and it says play, heal one damage from each creature, gain one amber for each creature healed this way. Yeah, it's a fun card. You can heal any damage your characters are taken, and it gets you an amber for each one. It's worth noting that it heals each creature in play, so your opponent's creatures as well. So if you've done, you know, ping damage to them, you get a bunch of amber also. Yeah, you're healing your opponent also, but it but for healing them, you're getting the amber, which would you need to forge keys and win the game. Absolutely. The next card on the list is Honorable Claim. Honorable Claim is an action that generates one amber. It says play, each friendly knight creature captures one amber. A uh, fun card to play, especially in this particular deck, there's a number, a fair number of creatures, and they're all knights. Yeah, I believe there's only one creature I can think of in the Sanctum House that is not a knight. And the next card in the list is Champion Anaphil. Champion Anaphil is a creature with six strength and one armor, and he has Taunt. Taunt's a great ability to have on a beefy creature like this, especially since it has armor, so anyone that any of the other knights that capture... Uh, your opponent's ember, they can protect them a little bit longer, keep them on the board. The next card on the list is Protectrix, and there's three of them in the deck. Protectrix is a five-strength creature. He says, Reap, you may fully heal a creature, and if you do, that creature cannot be dealt damage for the remainder of the turn. Now, another great creature, five strength is pretty decent in this game, and also being able to heal all of, all of your other knights is helpful. Sanctum likes to heal some. They sure do. Uh, the next card in the deck is Sequus, and there's also three of them in this deck. Sequus is a creature with four strength and two armor, and he says, Reap, capture one amber. I really like this guy being able to capture my opponent's amber to deny them from forging keys, and his stats may not seem great uh, with only being four health, but two armor is great, and also having um, a couple different ways to heal in this deck, and another creature with taunt, to so... He'll stay alive a little bit longer, holding on to the ember he's captured. Yeah, I like his reap effect, being able to capture one, because it essentially generates a two amber swing, which is pretty good. Yeah, I hear ember's important in this game. And the next card in this deck, and there's two copies of it, is Protect the Weak. Protect the Weak is an upgrade that generates one amber. It says this creature gains plus one armor and taunt. So again, putting this on uh, another bigger creature to help keep the sequences alive as they rack up your opponent's ember. 
uh, you can keep them from forging keys, which is pretty good. And the last card in the deck is Sanctum Guardian. Sanctum Guardian is a six-strength creature with one armor. He has taunt and a fight reap ability that says swap Sanctum Guardian with another friendly creature in your battle line. Uh, he's beefy with, with six health, and he's got that one armor to keep him around. I really like that fight reef ability, just because if you drop him on the board later, after you already have a sequis with, say, a couple amber on him, you can actually bounce him around so he's next to one of your sequis to keep sequis alive longer and keep that ember away from your opponent. Yeah, I like his ability to move in your battle line. Uh, it's worth noting, though, it's not a May, so every time you fight or reap with him, you will have to move him. So now we're going to move into my deck for the week, and it is using the Logos faction. Lanadin, Narrowbrook, Boss. Alright, so I have your checklist here, Kenny Blaze, and the first card in the list for this Logos suite is Fogify. Fogify is an action that generates one amber. It says play. Your opponent cannot use creatures to fight on their next turn. I don't like playing against this card. Uh, especially because I like to build up a board, and there are times where you might have an annoying creature that I want to wipe out, and now Fogify says, no, you can't do that. Yeah, Fogify takes away essentially half your options for your creatures for the turn, and that can be pretty big. Yeah, you're manipulating what I can and can't do, which I don't like. <laughs> I agree. So the next card on this deck list is Labwork. Labwork is an action that generates one amber. It says play, archive a card. Archiving is huge in this game. Um, it's something I didn't understand the proper way to use it right away, but as mm -hmm. I've gotten more experience playing, I, I realize how big it can be. I mean, being able to set up for a bigger turn later is a huge part of this game. Archiving is great. And the next card in the list is Phase Shift. Phase Shift is an action. It says play. You may play one non-Logos card this turn. Uh, it, it's a rough card when I see it being played against me because now I have to wonder what could you be holding from one of the other houses on in your deck and what's coming next. Yeah, being able to drop a card outside of the faction you called for the turn uh, is pretty big. It, it might get you an oddball card out of your hand so you can set up for like a four or five card turn in a future house later. I really like this card. It is a good card. Uh, the next one on the list is Twin Bolt Emission. Twin Bolt Emission is an action that generates one amber. It says play, deal two damage to a creature, and two damage to a different creature. Uh, what can I say? Not only are you getting amber off this card, but you're technically dealing four damage across my board, which I don't like. I like If I have my guys on the board, I want my friends to stick around. Yeah, it's a little bit of spot removal. It's pretty good. I mean, they have to be for the lower run creatures, but it's something. Uh, it's worth noting that it is not optional, so if you only have one creature on the board, and I have creatures, I do have to deal damage to my own friends. Yeah, I've made that mistake before, playing this card in one of my decks where I wound up having to damage one of my own. Mm -hmm. The next card on the deck list is Library of Babel, and there are three copies in this deck. Library of Babel is an artifact. It says, action, draw a card. Well, it's a card game, so drawing cards seems to be pretty good. Yeah, card advantage in this game does seem to be powerful along with archiving like being able to have a few extra cards more than my opponent um, might help me see my deck faster and then get to my options and my answers for what what's going on across the table yeah between the archiving and having three copies of the library you could really shift through this deck pretty quick it looks like absolutely the next card on the list is pocket universe pocket universe is an artifact 
you may spend amber on pocket universe when forging keys and as an action move one amber from your pool to pocket universe I don't like seeing this card played against me um, because it's finding some place to hide your ember where I can't steal it or capture it from you. Yeah, I feel like this card is situational at best. Like in an Archon event, if I see your deck list, I'll be on the lookout for stuff that can interact with my artifacts. As long as Pocket Universe is safe, I don't mind putting amber there. But if you have a card that can somehow destroy my artifacts, I'll never use it for its action effect. So... Tell me, Kenny Blaze, playing this card, if you have a Mountain of Ember on it, say you have six racked up on Pocket Universe, and I manage to blow up your Pocket Universe, what happens to that Ember? That Ember is lost to the general supply. Oh, so it doesn't go back to your Ember pool? It does not. That'll make somebody sad. Absolutely it will. Alright, the next card in this list is Bat Drone. Bat Drone is a creature with two strength. He has Skirmish and a fight effect that says steal one amber. It's another one of those little annoying characters that I hate seeing across from me, uh, because he steals when he fights, and he has skirmish so he could fight once and take no damage. Yeah, having skirmish on this guy is really neat. Um, he'll essentially just keep pinging away and stealing one every time. Uh, I do find that he's a pretty high-priority target for that spot removal cards that get rid of guys. Yeah, when I see him on the board, he's generally one of the first creatures I try to remove. For good reason, though. That steel is pretty powerful. Alright, the next card on the list is Ganymede Archivist. Ganymede Archivist is a creature with three strength, with a reap ability that says archive a card. Like we said before, uh, archiving cards and all the draw in this deck make it pretty easy for you to shift through this deck pretty quick to find what you're looking for. Yeah, he just fits the archiving theme fairly well in here. I like him. He's a solid addition. The next card on the list is Harland Mindlock. Harland Mindlock is a creature with one strength, with a play effect that says take control of an enemy flank creature until Harland Mindlock leaves play. I hate this guy. I don't want you taking control of my friends. <laughs> well, I mean, having your friends getting taken control of is pretty bad. It's worth noting if you take a creature that is of a house that is not in your deck initially, you'll have to use him only by calling that house and it really would impact your later turns. Yeah, so you got to be careful with that, but just the fact that you're taking something I put on the board from me and plan on using myself, and now I can't use them, that alone is disruptive enough without even you doing anything with them. Absolutely, he's very disruptive, but sometimes I want to take your friends so I can use them. Stop taking my friends, Kenny Blaze. <laughs> okay. And the last card on the list is Quixo the Adventurer. Quixo the Adventurer is a creature with three strength, he has Skirmish, and a fight effect that says draw a card. Because the three Library of Babels weren't enough card draw in this deck. Yeah, uh, he just fits the theme really well. I found that with this deck, I was able to burn through it pretty quick, and I believe I shuffled two turns ahead of you in our last game. I really like seeing more cards. Yeah, like we said before, card game, card advantage, seems like a good fit. Seems like a great fit. We're coming up upon the end of the show. If you've liked what you've heard over the past few episodes and want to help support the podcast, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash offthechainpodcast. Once we hit 15 patrons, we will have a blind deck giveaway on the second Saturday of every month. You can always email us at ask.offthechainpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on social media. Facebook is Off the Chain, a Keyforge podcast. Twitch and Instagram, Off the Chain podcast. 
and Twitter is Off The Chain Show. As always, I'm Kenny Blaze, along with Bald Mike. Hit him with that catchphrase. Keep forging. Good night, everyone. Good night.